Turns out it's haunted. The podcast covering haunted locations and spooky stories. We're your hosts, Tracy and Laura. Hi, scaredy cats. Hi, scaredy cats. <laughs> Laura, it's your first ever uh, research slash paranormal haunted location investigation. It is. I've yeah. I'm going in gently. I'm easing myself into this genre rather gently because I am covering something that for people that are interested in this area might be familiar with. It's called the what what I will call the Cecil Hotel. But um, seeing as though it's from America and Americans refer to it as the Cecil Hotel. Or the Suicide Hotel. Or the Suicide Hotel. Which is why it had a name change. Yes, which we shall get to. Okay. (laughs) Um, And also for people that are familiar with it, there's also a Netflix series at the moment um, called The Vanishing, I think it is. Mm. Um, But we'll get to that as well. So there's plenty of fodder out there for people um, interested in it. It's called The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Um, goes beyond true crime. So that is currently out on Netflix. And um, I came across a really good interview um, with the director of that and he offered his perspective on why he was interested in in making that series, which I found very good. It offered another perspective on the overall sort of history of it and what people are um, interested in it because there's lots of history. And I will start with, with that now. So... The Cecil Hotel opened in 1927 in downtown Los Angeles. It has 19 floors and 700 guest rooms, although some sites said 600, so a lot of rooms either way. It was very grand and featured a grand marble lobby, stained glass windows, potted palms and an alabaster statuary. Due to its location to public transport, the hotel was originally designed as a middle-class hotel for tourists and business travellers seeking affordable accommodation, which is amazing. Their standard for middle-class sounded really grand back then. Yeah, well, in some cases as well, like I've heard that it was actually more built for the upmarket, for business uh, travellers and yep. for uh, celebrities and mm, that okay. that was their plan. Yeah, however. However. A couple of years after it was built and opened, the Great Depression happened. Um, And over time, the Cecil Hotel transformed into a hotbed for criminal activity and violence. Um, And also due to its location, it's near what is referred to as Skid Row. So it's about half a block or a block away from a very high-density housing population that really... um, grew in its population during the Great Depression due to everybody not having loads of money. So there was lots of crime and that sort of thing going on right around the corner from it. So it... Yeah, and a lot of homelessness, displacement, yeah. um, prostitution, all kinds of... All of... 
that lower, that darker, lower end of society yep. sits there. and Much lower socioeconomic mm. area just around the Troubled. corner. Yep, from this hotel that was designed, you know, mm-hmm. it sounds like it was in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened over time. Um, lots of criminal activity, like I just said, was going on. Um, and so that's what we're going to sort of discuss now because it has a lot of history. There's been um, serial killers there and lots of unusual and explained deaths. Um, lots of suicides have occurred at the hotel. Um, upwards of 16 I've written here, but I don't have an exact figure. I couldn't actually find an exact figure. Lots of jumpers from the top of the building. Were just Knitted, woolen, <laughs> cotton. <laughs> Not sweaters or What's pullovers. A jumper, Laura? <laughs> a jumper um, in this instance is someone that has gone to the top of the building or jumped out a window. Yeah. They're apparently um, at the seesaw, the sixth and the seventh floor and the eighth floor sometimes are the ones that are the most prominent apart from the roof. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Something about those floors. Something about them, Mm. which is interesting in itself. Mm. And there is even one case of a lady jumping to her death and also killing a pedestrian right before she hit the ground. So, yeah, so she's jumped and yep. landed on a person that was walking, walking into by. the hotel. Oh. Um, and apparently they thought that because she was in the room with her husband and they thought that it might have been them a suicide jump together, like a oh. double suicide. But then the way that the investigators actually established that it was a pedestrian was because the dude had his hands in his pockets. So really? Like, that wouldn't happen if he was jumping. So they that's the, that's the reason why they deduced that it was a pedestrian. So it wasn't witnessed in any other way? <clears throat> no, not on file, no. Amazing. See, you're a wealth of knowledge about this. I'm glad you know. Like True crime. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys listen to spiritual podcasts. I listen to true crime. Yeah. Um, the first documented death at the Cecil Hotel took place on January 22, 1927. Which must have been like right the same after year it opened. Open. Yep, yep. When a 52-year-old man by the name of Percy Ormond Cook committed suicide in a hotel room after failing to reconcile his relationship with his wife and child. The Cecil Hotel was even the centre of one of the most discussed murders in Los Angeles history, that of Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia. The last time Short was seen alive was at the Cecil's Bar. Also in 1964, Pigeon Goldie Osgood was discovered murdered in her room. So, Do you know why she was called Pigeon? No, tell me. Because she was the bird lady from the park. Oh. Yeah. And so she, and got she lived nicknamed, there. Yeah, she got nicknamed Pigeon because she yep. used to feed the pigeons, like the the lady out of um, Home Alone, too. Oh, Home Alone, um, one of my favorite movies. But um, same. Really, mm. oh, my, watched it so many times. Same. Me yeah. and my kids every yeah. Christmas for oh. like a month. <laughs> I love Christmas movies. Love Actually is my other one as well. Oh, great um, movie. And. You know, like, I don't know whether you plan to talk about this later on, but... Um, Go on. I don't think you do because you wouldn't have breezed over PG so easily. But No. Um, the They weren't sure whether or not she actually killed herself or whether she was murdered because that same day that they found her body, a guy who um, 
was also well known to the local park because it was Skid Row Park type situation. He was found dazed and confused walking around covered in blood and they thought that he might have actually murdered her but it turned out that he didn't but he actually went, he got arrested for her murder and then it was found out that he didn't. Just a little piece of information there. Where was all the blood from? Uh, they don't, I don't, they didn't talk about it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, but they thought that he might have killed her. Yeah. Because he was the, he was like the pigeon man and she was like the pigeon lady. Yeah. But just a coincidence of some sort. It's very sad. Um, But we should mention here, although it was a hotel aimed at middle to upper class, shall we say, business people, there was also a part of it that was um, used for cheaper housing for people from a lower socioeconomic Pulling on hard area. times. Yeah. It's so, like 14 bucks a night. Yeah, for some people. Some people would stay weeks, months. Some people stayed years. Um, so it kept bringing in all those attributed... Mm, the people that... Issues. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why it was a um, hot spot for someone like Richard Ramirez who stayed there. Um, he was also known as the Night Stalker. Um, and he stayed there from June 1984 to August 1985, living on the 14th floor. So Richard Ramirez, infamously known as the Night Stalker, terrorised L.A. and he was eventually convicted of 13 counts of murder and five attempted murders and 11 sexual assaults. And he was often witnessed by people other stays in the hotel, walking around the hotel, covered in blood a lot of the other stayers there just thought he did it so casually and so often everyone just assumed it was associated with his job he was Mm. coming and going from his job which he kind of was but it's not (laughs) not the legal job (sighs) and he would um often just living in a space where that's just normalized seeing someone casually walk up and down covered in blood yeah and either not be phased by it yeah or not have anything to say about it like not want to say anything about it having it be the norm. Up. Um, and so he would also dump some of his soiled clothing just in the dumpster at the back. Apparently he never sort of tried to cover his tracks. No, he, he was like out there. Yeah. Yep. And that was one of these things. But he was also um, thought to be a satanic, like a Satan worshipper. Oh, right. So there's a lot of um, belief that he had satanic ties and, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So he could have potentially brought some juju into that place. 100%. Hundo. Yeah. Hunda. Hunda Heckers. <laughs> Ooh, so gross. Yeah. Um, so he only really died in 2013. Did he? Yeah. Huh. That's why That's why there was a lot of Richard Ramirez um, in the crimes, true crime sort of arena side of genre area of my world. Yes. Um, that's why it was all sort of revived again, the Richard Ramirez, because there's also a Night Stalker special on Netflix yep. about him. Yeah. But that all came back up again because he died in 2013. Oh, so that's why it all came Back yeah. into the light. Yeah. He was sentenced to the gas chamber, but okay. um, he never made it. He died instead. Yep. So he died on death row. Of natural cancer. causes. Cancer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, even though he was convicted of all those crimes, they're the only one. They're only the ones he was convicted of. I think one can safely assume there was far more that he did. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But he was also like a smiling assassin type dude as well. Like he freaky. Like if you've seen him, you know, if he had a... You know, you know, not to be um, judgy, but um, if he had been brought up in a in a different way, 
Um, he's actually probably could have been a really good looking dude. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause he's kind of got that look about him. That's just like, Oh, you, you're just like a couple of dollars short of <laughs> being like a, an actually all right looking guy. Oh my god! But apparently he had really bad halitosis. Yuck. Like people knew him as the guy with the bad breath. Well, yeah. They think that he might have eaten some of these victims Stop as well. It. No. Yeah. Why? It's How would you? Anyway. Did you read that I somewhere? Could, yeah, I've done a whole heap of on Richard Ramirez. Got any more No, tidbits? no, no, because we're here to talk about the seesaw, not Richard. Well, he's part of the history. <laughs> I know, but we're talking about paranormal and haunting and all yep. of the weirdness, not not murderers. Ties in. Does. Sick, sick, sicko. Um, anyway, so there was another serial killer there, an Austrian-born Jack Unterweger. Unterweger? Unterweger, that'll do. Um, he became a resident in the hotel after already being convicted of murder in his native Austria in 1976. He allegedly killed at least three sex workers during his stay at the seesaw. He was convicted of the murders and found dead in June 1994, having committed suicide. Do you want to know a little bit about him? Please. So he actually came out to be a copycat of Richard Ramirez. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he had heard about Ramirez and came over to and stayed in the Cecil purely to copycat To Ramirez. replicate. And the way that he used to kill his sex workers, he would strangle them with their own, like, clothes and pantyhose and things. And when he killed himself, he did it the same way as he killed his victims. Gross. Yeah. So basically, like, this is my calling card, essentially, and I'm going to kill myself the same way. So he strangled himself with his own shit. With his, his own, own pantyhose. With his letter hoses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not funny. All right. So now we come to the Netflix crime scene, The Vanishing Act at the Cecil Hotel, um, which focuses on the Canadian student, Elisa Lamb. She checked into the Cecil on January 26, 2013. Although she'd originally been staying with other roommates in a hostel-style accommodation, the hotel began receiving complaints and she was moved into a single room. So the girls that were staying with her complained about her behaviour. So they moved her into her own room. Just five days later, Lamb was declared missing. It wasn't until February 19th, after guests began complaining about the taste of water from the taps in their room and low water pressure. It just makes me feel sick every time I hear about this. Yeah. Elisa Lamb's body was discovered floating inside a closed water tank on the roof of the hotel. The coroner eventually declared her death an accidental drowning, the autopsy stating there were no signs of trauma to her body and no drugs or alcohol in her system. When the surveillance footage of her final moments before her death surfaced, interest in the case returned, with many questioning the coroner's decision. How did she get into the water tank? How did she get on the locked roof without setting off the emergency alarm? And even leading to a series of conspiracy theories. A popular theory linked to Elisa Lamb's death, which is covered by the um, Netflix series, um, covers some internet sleuths that have speculated that in the last night Elisa Lamb was seen she was actually being haunted by the ghosts at the seesaw. This idea is primarily linked to the video footage of Lamb in the elevator. It's about five minutes long. Anyone can see that. Yeah, just Google it. Yep. 
According to this line of thought, her erratic movements were Lamb's response to being haunted by the many people who have died on the Cecil's property. It's important to note that this theory has never been endorsed by any professionals connected to the case. Police, Especially and... not the manager of the hotel. Man, she is mm. a force to be reckoned with. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Mm. <laughs> Police and authorities believe that Elisa Lamb's death was an accident that happened to be in part because of her mental illness. Internet strangers not personally connected to the case have been the only ones to propose this theory, so it should be taken with a boulder of salt. And I got that information <laughs> at decider.com and I really wanted to read that out. Because a boulder I, of a salt. A boulder of salt, not just a little sprinkle. Uh, it's interesting, though. truck backing up and dumping some salt. Yep. Take that. Yeah. But there are a lot of conspiracy theories around her death, and I yep. think the one that is probably the most easy to um, swallow for me is that she, that she was able to experience the spirits or it was her bipolar yeah. and she was having um, hallucinations. Yes, it, so she was be, known to it, have mental health history. Well, and, she had yeah. bipolar type 1, I believe. Right. So, um, that, but her, her uh, when they did the autopsy, they found her pill like her medicine in her body it was in the toxicology report there was nothing else but her pills and so that the theory was that they she was off them was off them and hadn't taken them but she had been taking them yep because they found them in her room as well yeah 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 um so when she would have booked her room she would have booked through stay on main which was a little offshoot of the hotel they were trying to rebrand in 2011 um, same building on the side. Yep, it had a separate door, but it fed into the same building, yep. and it just operated a few of the rooms, and it was appealing to the younger, younger hostel style. Cheap. Yeah, cheap rooms at this Location. place. Yep. Um, so that's where she booked through, and um, which is interesting when you're trying to rebrand a hotel with horrendous history, and not sort of be forthcoming with the. Yeah, it kind of fractures the the information and the security of it all as well like it's almost false advertising kind of mm-hmm. i would be upset if i'd and there's a like i know that a lot of people committed suicide in that hotel like with that 16 upwards of 16 because i'm sure there's probably more but did you also hear about that lady her name's dorothy jean purcell she went by dotty um who when she was 19 she was there with her boyfriend and she woke up um, she apparently the story goes that she was in excruciating pain and she went into the bathroom and she gave birth to a baby. She didn't know she was pregnant. She gave birth to a baby and she threw it out the window. Um, I can't remember what floor they were on. I think maybe on the seventh or something again, but she threw the baby out the window and she ended up um, being tried for the murder of the baby because the baby wasn't dead when it was born, even oh, though she said gosh. it was still born. And she was let off with the murder for instead being mentally mentally insane. No. So she spent her... I did not read that. Yeah, so she spent life in prison, I believe. That could be bullshit, but I might have pulled that fact out of my ass. But I know she went to... She got off with the murder, but she went into the insane prison asylum oh, situation. Right. Yeah, so she threw her baby out the window. A lot of stuff. A lot of mental health. yeah suicides like it's just and murderers like they're mentally unhealthy people it's just like the the hotel for the mentally unstable 
I think, yeah, it just really sheds a light on how common mental health is but how it's not talked about or acknowledged. Yeah, but you just wonder, like I know that you were saying in terms of how that hotel attracted certain types of people based off the affordability um, and the location, Um, but it's interesting how it appears to be somewhat of a magnet for for that yeah um yeah it's it's mm. are you thinking like energetically yeah because there's also a case of the hotel next door of a lady jumping out of the window of the hotel next door but she actually lands on the level two roof of the Cecil so it's like she's jumped out like out out like jumped like like launched herself out the window to get across the that'd be a fair distance wouldn't it? huge and so she lands on the roof of the seesaw that's like a running roof. jump or a yeah it's almost like did you catapult. mean to die or did you mean to like base jump like are, are we like base jumping here is this who knows what this is yeah, but anyway it's, it's a interesting lot of, a lot of force yeah it's kind of to just do like, on your own like magnetic it's like is it a force out or is it a magnet pulling in anyway Yikes. It does make me think. It makes me think about the the, the, the magnetism and the energy of that place. And, and if there is, um, you know, if there is a, uh, a portal going on. Since you're bringing up all of this, the stuff <laughs> of this nature, let's go for it. Let's talk about, because I did want to get to the point where I was asking you for your view with regards to, you know, I've got a lot of you know, just facts here about deaths and and how and what and why. Um, But, yeah, let's go there with you and talk about that energy sort of side of it and portals since you said that word. And what's your take on all of that? Well, I think that um, I think considering that the building with its history all included, like with the Depression Great Depression, with its location being where Skid Row is. Like, I don't think it's just the building. I think it's probably that whole block even or the the couple of blocks that encompasses including Skid Row, including the Cecil, including the other hotspots in the area. You know, the Black Dahlia, you touched on her a little bit. She she wasn't a guest at the Cecil. She just visited the bar there, um, but she was killed and found nearby. Um, so there's there's obviously a lot of magnetism to that space, and I think that unfortunately a building as as um, large and uh, with the six hundred to seven hundred rooms that it has, I think it's just density and and it's built on top of of itself. You know, like this is a really big high rise building, yeah. tall, um, and for it to straight away, like for it to be built and opened in the January 1927 and for someone to kill themselves within the first three weeks, like he shot himself, it's not like it's not going to set the tone in a great way. It's like almost just completely here's the energy straight away. Um, the the mysteries as well in terms of, you know, there there are some pretty tight-lipped people that work there. Um, which makes me think that you guys are you guys are far more aware of the happenings and you're like protecting it, which we've spoken a little bit before about compulsion and things like that. I try when I watched the Vanishing special on Netflix, I was really sussing out that manager. What's her name? 
I, I don't think I actually wrote it down. Okay. What I wrote down was in her 10 years of managing the place, more than 80 deaths happened and that was more to do with the side of the longer-term residents there. Yeah, like natural causes and things like that. Of all, soul, of all sorts. Yeah. She was just saying she, no matter what she did to try and rebrand or polish that, um, due to the nature of those residents, it was never going to change. Mm. And she kind of, but the way she speaks about it was very intriguing to me and I was very curious of her. Um, In what way? Well, because she has this air about her that she's almost very protective and proud of the Cecil and she speaks about these things with a smile on her face and for me it was, you know, because I, I, I do a Speak lot of... cold. Yeah, well, because I do a lot of the true crime stuff, um... A lot of the time you have to remember that people are humans and their their ego and their um the fact that she is being interviewed for a Netflix special when she's just a hotel manager, you know, like I don't think that she's just a hotel manager, but um you think that, you know, she would have been in the lights, the camera, the action, makeup, she's in front of the camera, she's going to be broadcast internationally. Is this her ego taking over and making her sit there with a smile on her face because she oh, wants to, okay. it's a very kind of selfish, personal... It's a front. Front. Um, but I feel that this is your opportunity to really uh, represent what needs to be represented and I don't think she did that. I think that she was very much a face for for the situation I but see what you're saying. whether it was a face for her because this is her um or whether it was a face for the hotel I don't know like I mean I'd have to sit with her to there's only so much you can tell through a screen yeah but there are elements too where they interviewed uh like um cleaners and security guards and they've all got they're they're all they're all protecting something you can see it you know you know that they've all had uh, they've all been exposed to things that the ordinary person would not be exposed to. And they seem to think that this is normalized because they're in this one space where it's um, it's intense and it's focused and it becomes their new normal. But it's not normal. And they've got they're, they're, the way that they interview it on the special, I feel like they don't really approach that. It's like if we de- like you've been desensitized. But if we take away the fact that this is a place where a ridiculous amount, like an abnormal, curious amount of weird, ex- like unexplained happenings, um, suicides, the magnetism of it. Like I wish that they would talk more about that. And, I mean, I know that that special was focused more on Elisa Lamb. Yes. And her case and not so much the Cecil Hotel as an investigation. Um, but that's that's where my mind goes to it and thinking more about what is the energy that's there. The paranormal side of it. Yeah. 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 Which and, is, yeah. Yeah. And the elevator. Elevators are interesting with energy as well. Um, Tell me more. Well, it's all um, it's all electrical and it's all hydraulics and it's all, um, it's all stuff that the paranormal can manipulate. Uh, and so... You wonder as well with level level six, seven, and eight, um, what was the fascination with those particular levels, and the energy that would be traveling most frequently um, to those levels, and because there's a theory as well, and, and I think they touch on it in the vanishing um, special where is it is it Japanese or 
Chinese. Chinese. The the um theory of the levels. The store that it's a game that they play where you've got to press the numbers in an order or something and you can travel to different dimensions or worlds or something like that. But it's a game and um it some people believe that she was playing that game. And so what we see her getting out of this elevator is not um she's getting out on something that we can't see. So her reality is different to ours. But in that video that goes for just over four minutes, the elevator's doors don't close. They don't, they open and then they do not close. What elevator While have you ever in been there. in? Yeah. What elevator have you ever been in where the doors have stayed open and yet she goes in and out, in and out, in and out, pressing all these buttons to try yeah. and get the doors to close, to do anything. And the doors will just will not close. And then she leaves and they close. And she leaves and they close. So, you know, what what energy is allowing that to happen? Is it paranormal? Is it human? Is there someone on the other side out of the frame holding it open that she's the, arguing with? Yeah. But there is no footage of that side of the... The outside. Yeah. Yeah. Of the lobby. Mm. Um, and if that's, you know, something that um, spirit or paranormal energy can do then you know there's a, a concentrated amount of um disturbed spirits in order to do that to have that well it's poltergeist it's poltergeist activity but it's, it's like is it a group of these spirits coming together and creating one big mass energetic force or is it one particular spirit that's doing it is it a is not human spirit is it is it something else? How would you know? You'd have to go and investigate. And a lot of people have. And you sent me a link to a YouTube, um, YouTubers, a group of YouTubers. They call themselves TFIL. They're one of only two groups that have been allowed to have yeah. the entire hotel to themselves for an entire night. They're pretty protective of that space, of that place. Yeah. They don't let people in. I think the only other group was Ghost Hunters. Um, they also had two paranormal experts along with them. Um, so that YouTube video is quite long. And full disclosure, I did not watch it all, but they played in that elevator. They split their group up. There was about four guys and then they met someone else in there um, that had his shirt off and he called himself the bare-chested bare paranormal investigator or something. It was a little bit strange, yeah. really. But they mucked around with the dick. elevator and... They, um, yeah, split their groups up and were trying to scare one another. But they did also have different apparatus to try and measure things and capture things on their cameras and that sort of thing. Um, so there's lots out there about people wandering around this place. And like you were saying with the Velisca Axe murder house, um, that antagonises whatever is there when you're talking about paranormal stuff. So It just makes them angry. Feeds it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So fear feeds it. Yeah. Um, and so I would never go there. I would feed them. <laughs> You'd be like, here's my bowel. I'm like a buffet <laughs> for them. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near it. Um, and actually there's actually um, one photo that was taken, um, I think it was in 2014 from memory. Um, I don't know where I'm pulling that from, but I think it was 2014. A boy was standing outside the seesaw. And he took a photo. Um, he just felt like he wanted to take a photo of one particular spot 
Um, and it's a there's windows in the photo, but in one of the windows there is what looks like some kind of spirit um, in the window, but kind of coming out of the window, almost like it's someone jumping. Oh wow! Um, and it's captured, but from what I understand, that is the only piece of paranormal yep. um, evidence that has ever been caught that they can actually talk about. Actually tangible. That's mm. interesting. Mm. The only piece with mm-hmm. so many stories and mm-hmm. so much history. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess the only thing I want to um, mention is I came across um, an interview with the filmmaker, Joe Berlinger, who um, who made that Netflix special and he was talking about his various thoughts and considerations when making the series and how he wanted to highlight how the story shed light on the rise of online sleuthing and cyberbullying and the hotel's notorious history, the current state of LA's skid row and the stigmatisation of mental health. So um, he talked about his desire for viewers to be intellectually provoked and to test their own prejudices and stereotypes while providing a window into the larger issues. So he also um, talked about his desire to be respectful to the victim in this case and he feels as though a lot of tellings of this story have really leaned into the paranormal side, into the spookiness and trying to make it seem like the Cecil is truly a haunted place, um, which it sounds like it truly is. Um, So I'd like to acknowledge that there's a lot going on there um, and to admit that there's a lot going on there doesn't actually diminish um, people like Elisa and the other people that have died there. I don't feel as though it's disrespecting them. I feel as though there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't necessarily understand but no one's trying to explain it away or diminish the fact that it has been um, an area of lots of deaths. I think some people are just trying to be open to finding out why and some people are more comfortable explaining it in ways that don't truly explain it. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that's, um, that's pretty standard across most um, larger well-known crime haunted in bunny ears, like you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I may as well just call it this bunny ears. This, yeah, yeah. Um, this whole podcast, but also, you know, like um, it what it does do is bring a lot of tourism. Um, it brings a lot of um, fascination to that area, which it's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna be in two minds about it. I guess um, you can go there because you want to be fascinated by it, and as someone who respects the paranormal side of things, I can't tell you until I go there, or if I ever go there, um, I definitely would not be staying there, but I would go there for sure. Um, whether or not people coming and wanting to um, exploit um, and antagonize the energies and the disturbed that obviously stayed there um, and probably continue to stay there. Um, like how much that actually keeps the whole thing alive. But in saying that, they haven't had anything happen that is of the same vein as the suicides and the murders and the serial killers and all those things. They haven't had any of that for a really long time. It's been closed for a little while now, but it's actually due to open at the end of this year. Yeah, since yeah. Alyssa Lamb. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't It doesn't mean that, that um, like we saw with the lady that jumped from the other 
building over. Like it doesn't mean that things can't happen in that area. And it would probably be, for, from my perspective, it would be something that I would look at as, like I mentioned before, as more of a location, not just the Cecil. I'd look into the whole block, two blocks, kind of. Have more of a bird's eye view rather than yeah, yeah. a navel gazer. Yeah, because the Cecil is, the, is, the, is like the, the shiny object that people are looking at. But I think this is a bigger Big issue. Bigger issue, especially, you know, there's that that whole um, side conspiracy as well about Elisa Lam and the the waterways and how um, there was the the virus that was going through. Was it tuberculosis? What was it? No. I don't know. Uh, So there was around the same time that Elisa was murdered or died, there was a, um, I need to probably fact check this, but there was uh, a virus that was being spread through the water, they believed. And so the council had uh, put through, um, put through a, uh, like a medicine. Oh, like a treatment. A treatment. The water. Yes. And it was called... Lamb dash Alyssa? No. Yep. So apparently it wasn't a treatment, it was a test. So the name of the test that they put through the water. So there was a TB outbreak in LA, um, specifically downtown LA and Skid Row. Oh, right uh, where they were. Yeah. And so they, uh, some people think that she was a biological weapon. Oh. Um, sent, but conspiracy. So much bullshit. Um, because there's a TB research center at the university that she went to. Oh, right. So they, they, people will link anything. I yeah. love how people have time. Yes. <laughs> and this and online this. sleuthing day and age, mm-hmm. because she had a fairly large online um, footprint as well. She was a, a, a blogger. blogger. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they think that the tests that they put in the water to to trace the TB outbreak of where she was, um, that that was actually called L-A-M-E-L-I-S-A. That's exactly and her that's name. And that's her name. That's an incredible coincidence. Mm-hmm. So it is ridiculously freaky. That is ridiculous. And it's you can see why people were were obsessed as to trying yeah. to figure out the connection. And there are a lot of synchronicities and strange coincidences, if you want to call a coincidence a yeah. coincidence. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. It is very intriguing, the fact that she was found in a water tank and it had a lid on it and how did she get there and how could she have done that? In the water, contaminating the water, the people drank her water. Yeah. Like it's there's a there's a lot to do with water, which is another um before when we were talking about um the building and how that magnetism is there. Yeah. Um I find the water element to be quite interesting as well. Yeah. Mm. Go on. Is there anything else you find interesting that you're not elaborating on right now? Well, water is uh is an energy source for spirits yes. and the paranormal. Yep. Um and there was a waterway outbreak under the water. So all the water that people are consuming, she was found in the water. The She was found in the tank, the water tank on top of the building, like you said. But the lid was shut. 
Yes. So how would she have been able to close that lid on her own? And in the water, she was naked. Her clothes were floating in the water. That she had this unknown substance under her nails that was like sand. Where the hell would she have gotten sand under her nails from? Wasn't sand, but it was like sand, the substance, but they can't figure out what it was. Wow. Yeah, so there's so many, like when you look at it from a true crime perspective, there's so many pieces of that puzzle. But from the paranormal perspective, did the paranormal um, contribute to her death ultimately? And does her death contribute to the paranormal activity? Sure. Those are questions that we can leave us all pondering. Questions that would make me go. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd probably be more scared of Skid Row than I would of the Cecil. Yeah. <laughs> it continues to be this um, problem, though, that we see in any country of the world, but especially in developed countries, the divide between the haves and the have-nots have just grows. And with COVID even more so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you even see it in places like Las Vegas, Nevada, mm-hmm. where you've got people spending lots of money and making lots of money in massive hotels and casinos and a block and a half around the corner, there's masses and masses of poverty and homelessness and drugs just within such a short distance. It's, mm-hmm. It blows edged. my mind. Yeah. Two yep. edges of the sword. Yeah. 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 Crazy. A lot of it is like, you know, we touched on a little bit earlier with the mental health side of things is too, you know, my kids, we've seen, like we've gone to the city and things and they've seen homeless people and even where we live, there's quite a large amount of homelessness yep. where in where we live. Um, and I've had conversations with them and they're like, why would they choose to be homeless? Does no one love them? And, you know, like it's why can't they choice, just get a job? And mm. sometimes it's not a choice. No. Sometimes it is mental health. Sometimes they choose to be there because it's actually safer for them than any alternative they've ever known. No other option sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and mental health plays a huge role in that. Yeah. And the the uh, age bracket and demographic for the most growth in homelessness is middle-aged women. Mm-hmm. It's it's a huge problem. Which would have a direct correlation, no doubt, to um, security and safety. Yep. And finances, mm-hmm. you know, as an age bracket, they're far more, um, I don't know, far more not able to earn the income that men do of that same age. Yeah, they're vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. can understand why gangs and things come about in those areas, stick together. It's a tribe. Support each other. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they're surviving. They've got to do what they've got to do to survive. Not that I'm condoning no. a lot of their behaviours, but you no. can see where that comes from. How, yeah. It's and their how it perpetuates. Yeah. Yeah. So that, my folks and my scaredy cats, was um, the Cecil or the Cecil Hotel. That or was really interesting. Hotel or Stay yep. on Main. <laughs> yep. And it is reopening by the end of the year, all things. Let's go. Yeah. So um, oh, sorry, look COVID. it up. On stays.com or Expedia or wherever it is and um, book yourself a ticket and write us an email on your stay. Mm, is it worth going to quarantine for? Definitely not. Matt? No. no. I'll, I'll just stay right where I am. Thank you very much. If I'm meant to go, then, then I'll get there. Yeah. I'll wave at you. <laughs> <laughs> From the top floor? Yeah. Definitely not on the sixth, seventh or eighth floor. You're not going anywhere near that place. <laughs> I'll put a stop to that. <laughs> 
Catch you next time. Bye, scaredy cats. Got a spooky story you'd like us to share or a haunted location you'd like us to cover? Send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at turns out underscore it's haunted. We'd appreciate a follow, a share, a rating, a review, whatever floats your boat. Sleep well, my scaredy cats.